Welcome to Smart Women Watch, a podcast where two sisters talk about all of the things that we are watching, reading, and listening to. And right now, we are watching the new Netflix series, The Politician. So we just covered episode one on our last podcast. So then we go into episode two, which is called The Harrington Commode. Oh, I did not know the name of it. Yeah. I don't think I know the names of any of these episodes. I wrote them all down. Uh, Well, good job. Uh, Yeah. So why is it called The Harrington Commode? I don't. I don't even know who the... Oh, The Harrington Commode is the piece of furniture that um, uh, Peyton's dad is so proud to have bought at such an exorbitant price. It was the most pricey piece of furniture that has ever been sold through Sotheby's auctions. Um, And it is also the piece of furniture that he uses to propel himself out the window after Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Peyton's mother, has told him that she is leaving him for um, another woman. And at that point, he throws himself off of the Harrington commode um, right out the window, and he ends up in a coma. So his attempt at suicide is unsuccessful, and they bring him into the home where he is kept in a gorgeous library of some sort. Where Um, he color coordinates his books, which I love. Um, To the dulcet sounds of Yesterday by the Beatles in German, which I just... (laughs) Laughed and laughed and laughed. But, um, so, I don't know. What is his name? What is... Keaton. Keaton, thank you. So, Keaton is in a coma after launching himself off the Harrington commode. Um, and it's at that point where we get the the big fight that happens in episode two. Happens between Peyton and his mother and the twins. And can you tell us about the fight? Yeah, so the twins basically are saying at this point that because Gwyneth Paltrow was going to be leaving their father, that she should not be entitled to any of the inheritance here if their father dies. Um, So basically they hire lawyers to fight that. And this is all while Keaton is in a coma. And then what happens is the twins decide that in order to ensure that the father dies in this situation and they get the money that they're going to kill their father because they're nervous that if their father wakes up that he will be sympathetic to Gwyneth Paltrow and to Peyton's stories and that they will be back in the will. But right now they have it figured out where the lawyers are going to give just the two twins all the money. So the twins say, time to kill dad. So we have patricide. So yes. we had a suicide attempt and patri- patricide in the same episode. And how, just how this is treated to me was so cringy. And I know we talked about this earlier, so we don't need to go too in depth in it. But just it is the music that's playing is like flippant and silly. And the way that Keaton's character is treated, he genuinely attempts suicide. He jumps out of his own window. And the whole thing is just treated as a joke. Even the camera angles, the camera following him as he's running up the stairs is just meant to be humorous. Yeah. It is not meant for us to feel any emotional sympathy towards him at that moment. It's meant to be played as a laugh. Yeah. And I don't know, it didn't land for me. Yeah, me neither. Um, And then the patricide as well, I think, is made to be played as a laugh. Um, So what eventually happens is the twins go in and are having a conversation next to their father's bedside while he's unconscious about how they're going to kill him and they're going to put a pillow over his face and they are going to suffocate him so that they can have his money. 
Um, and at that moment, their father wakes up and we find out that he has been listening into them all along and this was actually a whole plan that he had come up with Peyton. This was the long con. The long con indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, so Peyton had planted the seeds with the twins Basically warning them that he was going to get everything and they were going to be cut out unless they killed the father as soon as the father woke up. So he planted the seeds with them um, and then he warned his father that this was coming. So the father pretended to stay in this coma until the twins stood over his bed and spoke out loud the words of patricide. And again, this was something that was played for a laugh. And the twins in general are played for a laugh. Definitely. They are. So is Keaton in general, I think. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how Keaton and Ben Platt look very, very similar? I cannot believe that the twins are the biological kids of Gwyneth and Keaton and Ben Platt is not. I have a hard time with that. I don't know that they look that similar to I me, think, I suppose. I think they look much more like an actual biological son than the twins do. Sure. Well, I mean, he's like a tiny little old man. Exactly. And the twins are a like tiny little old Jewish man. Also, did you watch the season of American Horror Story Freak Show? No. Okay. There's a character in there. I believe his name is Duty, And he is just like... Duty. I think that it's his name, yeah. Ryan Murphy and his names, man. <laughs> McAfee, Duty. Okay, we're there. Um, but he is like this little um, sociopathic mama's boy who comes from a super, super rich family and just like runs around with all his wealth and tries to kill people. And this, in this part, the, the twins like really reminded me of that character a lot. Very similar. Okay. Yeah. And are are we supposed to be getting some nuance from the twins? Like, is Luther supposed to be the bad twin and Martin is the slightly better twin? Definitely, which is a funny distinction that they're even wasting time on Exactly. Like, why are we even bothering at this point? And I'm sorry, I went back and I read the Wikipedia page on Martin Luther and I got nothing out of the resemblance between the name Martin Luther and the twins Martin Luther. Anything? No. Yeah, me neither. No. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. None. But yeah, Martin is definitely supposed to be the nicer twin and the one that Gwyneth Paltrow tries to appeal to, but I I see no difference between them. And I, I am surprised they're like wasting scene time on trying to give these characters any bit of nuance. Any bit of background at all. Right. Um, um, interestingly, though, enough, in episode one, there is one point where Gwyneth Paltrow says to Peyton that, you know, she tried with the twins, but you can't teach kindness. Mm. What do you think? Can you teach kindness? I think so. I think so too. Yeah. I think kindness, like a lot of things, is a learned behavior. So it, it is always like an interesting study to see like siblings who are raised in the same household and come up so come out so differently and have such differences in values. Um, because presumably Martin and Luther and Peyton are around the same age and were raised in the same household by the same parents. So yeah, how did they come out so completely differently so drastically differently yeah but no i think you can teach kindness Mm -hmm. but during this part so peyton has basically like set up this whole trap to trap his brothers into trying to kill their father also the father can catch them at it and then peyton can ensure his own financial future in his father's will which is insane because splitting the financial future three ways would have harmed peyton in no ways i know this is a shit 
This is a lot of money. <laughs> you can say shit. Can I say shit ton yeah. of money on this podcast? <laughs> this is a shit ton of money that they seem that concerned about splitting either two ways or three ways or one way. I know. No matter how this money gets split, it is so much money that it is baffling to me. So what do you make of then like Peyton's duplicity here? Because we get a lot of comments about it both from Gwyneth Paltrow mm-hmm. and from Peyton himself of I'm uncomfortable with Peyton's comfortability with with being so sneaky and he is so duplicitous and, and Peyton being like, am I a good person? Yeah, Again. see... I guess I didn't see this as one of Peyton's biggest flaws or even one of his morally ambiguous moments. I mean, his brothers legitimately were trying to have him written out of the will for what seems to be no reason to me. So to me, this is Peyton protecting himself and not Peyton displaying some immoral characteristic that is inherent in his self. Yeah, but he is very comfortable doing it. He's comfortable with deception, I think is what we're supposed to take away from this. Yes, but I don't see this as a deception that he wanted to make. And does it work out for him because he is good at deception? Yes, but I mean, I think, again, these these characters, the, the twins, are just so unambiguously written as terrible people that there is no way to have the viewer on their side in any of this. True. So we also, another big plot line in uh, this episode is we start looking into um, Infinity's illness. Mm. Does she really have cancer? Mm. As Andrew says, we follow the blood work. (laughs) So now we're turning into a procedural. Yep. This is the point in the show where we have completely become a procedural and... McAfee and specifically McAfee and Peyton are running around trying to determine this outcome because James is of the distinct impression that it is better not to know. What do you think? Do you agree with James or do you agree with McAfee and Peyton? As a politician or as a human being? Hmm, that's an interesting distinction. Should there be an interesting distinction there? Yeah, I think, well, so for me as a human being, I like to always have the blinders off. I would rather know in all things. I mean, as a politician, which I am not and will never be, I can see where James is coming from as far as this political campaign goes. I think it's the logical thing to not dig into this because then you are just helping to move dirt for other people to be able to dig into this as well. So does the fact that Peyton wants to dig into this, and Peyton does want to know, he absolutely wants to know. Does that humanize him? I was going to say, does it make him more authentic? Maybe. But does he want to know because he genuinely cares and is looking to protect Infinity? Or doesn't he only want to know because he's scared about how this can come back and impact him? Oh, I think the second one, for sure. Me too. So I, I mean, I think it would be one thing if any of them were genuinely looking into this because they were concerned about the health and wellness of Infinity, but that is literally never a question for them. They are not at all in any way, shape, or form ever seem concerned with the fact that that like potentially infinity is being poisoned or potentially infinity is scamming people. They're not concerned with that. They're just concerned of how does this impact Peyton's candidacy? Well, is that because they see her as a scam artist? Like, is that because they are just trying to protect themselves? They don't see her as a person worthy of empathy at the moment because if she is lying about this, she is duping them. Yeah. And do they see it as she's duping them on purpose? 
No, see, I see all three of them, even though they have two different um, ways of handling this. I think all three of them are doing this for their own gain. I really don't think there's anything authentic about it except wanting to know for their own gain. And I happen to be on the side that James has the better strategy. As a political strategist, I agree with James. Like if Dixon, if Nixon never knew about Watergate, right. he could have never covered it up. Right. Mm-hmm. But I as a person, as a human who has nothing mm-hmm. to do with politics, I would want to know. And I also would want to like protect the wellness of my friends and the people around me. Also, I think you're a fairly curious person. You are not a person who lets things go. Yeah, I dig. Yeah. (laughs) You need to know. Yeah. So they have this blood drive. Oh, the blood drive. Yeah. And it is the first time that the Haitian student population... How many students are the Haitian student population? It's Pierre. (laughs) Pierre is our one Haitian student who is introduced to us in this episode. Pierre and Infinity are able to give blood. And basically then they take Infinity's blood and go and get it tested. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, is that that easy? No, it cannot be. I mean, I guess if you're rich, anything is easy. Also, why is the girl who we think has cancer giving blood? This can't possibly be okay. Well, that was their whole shtick, is that we are... Going no, to I mean, let everybody get I don't blood. mean for the general population receiving the blood. I mean for her own wellness. Yeah. Like, how is it good for her to be giving up a pint of her blood at that point? Can't imagine it is. I, exactly. And I'm, again, but they I'm didn't not, care. Like, they, they didn't care about that. They um, just cared about getting her blood sample. Well, it worked out for them. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they do get the blood sample. And that's actually how we end this episode, is they get the results back. And as the results, they're holding them in their hand, unopened. And James is saying, please don't open this. I implore you, don't open this. And as we know at this point, they have completely decided to ignore James and McAfee and Peyton are plunging ahead. Yep. So they open it and no cancer cells for infinity. Oh, this is a cringeworthy moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But not surprising. I mean, I feel like anytime you enter this plot device of at the end of episode one, when we heard like, oh, infinity might not have cancer. To me then it was like, Well, okay, of course now she's not going to have cancer. Right, yes. A real twist would have been if it turned out that, like... She actually does have cancer. Right, and they were, like, digging needlessly Mm. all of this time. So, yeah, that is how episode two ends. What other things should we talk about that happened in episode two? Um, Well, I think we find out, and maybe this only stood out to me, but Peyton's car only has one seat in it. Oh, I know. No, I saw that. Can we talk about that? Because that's insane. He doesn't have a passenger seat. Right? I mean, I know, I at least it. for, at least, I mean, I know in episode one was when he had the girlfriend, and I'm doing air quotes around the girlfriend, but I mean, didn't she want to ride in his car? Has nope. he never taken another human for a ride in his own car? So funny. Oh my God. So that, I just laughed and laughed. So this is also when we get the two Harvard guys who show up at Peyton's house and let him know that he is now accepted to Harvard on the condition that he donates a lot of money for their Slavic language programs <laughs> that they are trying to learn. I've heard Slavic languages are the languages of the future. Yes, I've heard that rumor. Um, and Peyton doesn't feel great about this, of course. Because well, Peyton wants to get into Harvard on his own merits. Because he believes that at some point in the future, if he does not, this could be used against him. So he doesn't actually want to get into Harvard on his own merits. He just doesn't want anyone else to find out that mm-hmm. he couldn't get into Harvard on mm-hmm. his own merits. And not that he couldn't, because Peyton is a very smart student. He has, as he said, meticulously coordinated his extracurricular activities to be the exact perfect amalgamation of a Harvard student. So this is a kid who gets into Princeton, he gets into Stanford, he gets into Yale, he's waitlist at Harvard. 
is his life really that bad? No, it's not that bad. Hmm, okay. <laughs> also, because I think a lot of um, presidents also went to those schools. Maybe there is a larger distinction than I realize, but is Harvard really that much better than any of those other schools that I just named? Did we give Harvard that much power? I have no idea, but here's That's what's insane. so here's what's so ironic about this. Our current president literally like stumbled into the office on a dare. Like Harvard. Like so yes, maybe we have had like prestigious presidents in the past who have gone to Harvard, but clearly that's like not an important qualification anymore. Trump was a reality television show host. Yeah, who got all like, his money from his dad. Right. So, aren't we in a place now where like you don't have to be a Harvard a Harvard man or of that mold anymore to be the president of this damn country? Yeah, and as scary as it is that people think they have to spend all this time and money going to Harvard to be president, is it a little scarier that they no longer have to worry about any of that? Yeah. I don't want it to be I don't want to live in a world where you had to go to Harvard to be president. But I do want to live in a world where you had to do something of worth. And I'm not saying that Harvard is the only thing of worth in the world, because it is certainly not. And I think um, Lindsay at least knows my opinions on some of the Ivy League schools. But you do have I to- I share them. <laughs> yeah, I do think you have to prove to some level that you are a worthwhile human. And I think one of the ways that you can prove that to the world is through getting into Harvard on your own merits. Yeah. I don't know if I use the word worthwhile, but like a capable, intelligent human. Yeah. Um, which does not equate to Harvard, um, but also does not equate to Trump. Oh my God. There's got to be a happy medium, right? <laughs> yes, I would think uh, let's, so. Let's go for the happy medium. Uh, well, Peyton doesn't like being extorted, and Peyton, um, basically they say they, they are giving him time to think on this. Hmm. Yeah. It is a positive, right, that Peyton wants to get in on his own merits. At the end of the day, can we talk about now what happens? Because I would like to, like, close the loop on the Harvard storyline. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what actually happens is after Peyton becomes the sole heir to his father's fortune, he basically throws those billions of dollars in Harvard's face and threatens them in a different way. And he basically says, you can either... Try to take my money now, which I will not give to you, and I will go to some other institution, or I will hold this money over your head and let you know that when I graduate from Harvard, I will give back as an alumni. When I am president, I will put my presidential library on your campus, and I'm going to threaten you with those less tangible but still real things in the future, but where there is no paper trail in any way, shape, or form. Because any student that's rich that comes out of Harvard gives back to their extremely high already endowment fund. Um, and that Which is what exacerbates the issue exactly. of elitism. Um, like, can we talk about Malcolm Gladwell's podcast on this topic? Because maybe at some point we go back to that. But yes, so, so Peyton doesn't get in Harvard in a way where he has to pay for a building up front or has to pay for their Slavic language program up front. But he still, at the end of the day, gets in because of his money. And I think that's very clear to the viewer. And my question to you, Lindsay, is, is that clear to Peyton? No, I think Peyton now believes this is his merit. And his merit in the sense that the way he strategically handled this conversation, he went in there like, 
gave those men a talking to and showed them his worth and then he got in. Great, another rich white man got into Harvard. That's what infuriated me about this. Mm -hmm. Of like, there was just so much privilege dripping through this whole conversation and then how like proud of himself Peyton is here was just infuriating to me. Um, Especially like in the wake of all this Operation Varsity Blues. Yeah, but this is actually... It's a. It seems like a very timely topic, but this was actually filmed before Operation Varsity Blues hit the news. So Ryan Murphy really had some prescient thoughts here. Yeah, that's so interesting. I know. I would have thought this would have been in reaction to that, but this was actually filmed prior to that hitting the news waves. Yeah. But there was a lot of scenes in this show in general that made me be like, ugh, fuck white men, and this was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And another one that I believe was also in this episode was once um, the twins get written out of the will and Gwyneth Paltrow, actually maybe this is the third episode, but Gwyneth Paltrow goes and meets with Martin, who's like the slightly nicer of the twins, and has this conversation with him that is like, you need to be a better person because the world is finished with entitled white men. And Martin says, the world will never be finished with entitled white men. That's why we're so entitled. And I I loved that they like put those words into the dialogue. And I love that they did it with a character that's so unlikable as Martin. Um, So hopefully all of like the entitled white men sitting on their couch and watching this show can look at this and start to think critically about their behavior in our society and how they don't want to be a Martin. And what can you do to be better than being a Martin? Yes, but is Ryan Murphy really with this show telling us to not be a Martin? Or is he telling us that sometimes you have to be a Martin to get what you want? And I think he's telling us sometimes you have to be a Peyton to get what you want. And is Peyton that different than Martin in the respect that he feels like he woke up one day when he was seven and he was going to be president of the United States So he deserves to be president of the United States. No, I don't think he's that different than Martin. But I think it goes back to like what you said about the sincerity versus the authenticity of like, is Peyton sincere? Does he sincerely want to do good for others? Because there are moments in the show that I think, yes, he does. And there are moments in the show that I think he is pure ambition and all he cares about is himself. Yeah, I think for Peyton, those two things really are rolled up into one i really do believe that he wants to do better like when he's listening to his mother talk about you know making these paintings for syrian refugees he's not making fun of her for that no she's not making paintings for syrian refugees if i remember correctly she's selling them she's making paintings for the syrian war debt (laughs) ah (laughs) i believe that's what it is okay well at least they're not um (laughs) against net neutrality Either way, I do see Peyton want believing that he should be president and believing that he does deserve to be president, but also believing that he would be a good president and that he actually does want to help on the way to being president. Now, I don't know what level of that is more important to him. I see it as president is probably like slightly more important to him than, than actually, actually doing, doing the yeah. good. Um, but I do see that he thinks they go hand in hand. Right. At least. Um, so we also have like our first um, reappearance of River in this episode. Mm, River. Peyton sees River. 
Like in a little in a little dream. Uh, yeah. Waking dream. I think they're trying to portray River as Peyton's conscience here. Yes. Uh, I wrote down Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> on his, a, a little man on his shoulder. Yeah. I'm not He's like the moral compass. Here. I'm not sure how well that trope works in this scenario. But I do think that is what they are trying to do. And River is just so goddamn likable that I am happy to see him show up in any scene. I'm not. Oh, I am. I feel like River gives this show some heart that it is severely lacking in other places. That's true. And I need that in a show. I need to feel emotionally connected to something. And even though River is dead, he is the character right now I feel the most emotionally connected to. Mm, the ghost River is not working for me, really. Okay, um, how about Flashback River and um, Breathe In, Breathe Out Flashback River? Flashback River I love. Okay. Um, so I think like seeing those authentic moments of why Peyton was so connected to River and why River did so much good. Um, I think that's enough to show like what Peyton should be aspiring to morally. I don't need Ghost River. I don't need it. Even though Ghost River came to play a song written by Ben Platt. That's cool. Because I was team that. I was like, bring on anything. I thought they were going to sing a duet. Um, Well, they could have actually sung the lyrics. All they did was play the the little... um, tingly tune but i wonder if river sings um, will we see river sing i don't know an answer to that ben platt can sing well enough for both of them i think he could carry river if he needed to yeah as much as i like the character of river and the actor who is portraying him i think is awesome i just don't need ghosts see it's not my thing i need the heart i need some flashbacks or like a fine way that you can get that connection of the breathe in breathe out of you can get the um, connection of like the Mandarin tutoring. I like that better than like, River is my moral guide and he well, chimes in to I give mean, me the answers. A lot of people wear those bracelets, what would whoever do? Pick your celebrity. And I feel like- Isn't it just Jesus? No, there's a thousand. <laughs> what would Beyonce do? I know is on um, at least a few of them. Okay. I'm pretty sure there's a what would Oprah do. Uh, yeah, I believe it started with Jesus, but are we really in that world? <laughs> no. Exactly. Um, but I think this is the manifestation of that bracelet, that Ben Platt is wearing this bracelet of what would River do. And this is just the manifestation of them showing us that. But he's making so many choices that River would never make. Yeah, he's not great at it. I'm, nobody's great at it. If, like, you always want to be doing the best thing doesn't mean you always do it. But it doesn't mean you don't have that little niggling feeling in the back of your head telling you to do it. That's true. All right, so we've definitely moved on to episode three here now. Can we talk about polls? <laughs> They're always talking about the polls. See, I listen to 538 on the regular. I am very, I feel like, in tune with the talk about polls. Yeah, you're a pollster. I, I am not a pollster by any stretch, <laughs> but I do like to hear about them. I am very familiar with the New York Times um ticking poll that um, gave us all nightmares and PTSD flashbacks to 2016 election. So I'm very familiar with the poll talk. The poll talk didn't stand out to me as anything crazy, other than the fact that they're high school kids. I thought that was hilarious, that these high school kids have these, like, statistics and had daily updates on, like, you're up by two points and the margin of error. I just thought it was... But see, I understand the difference in a poll between the likely voters and the eligible voters, so I was not surprised when they make that switch. 
switch over from eligibles to likelies. Oh, yeah. I just, I thought it was hilarious that this was, like, happening in a high school. And I thought it, like, I I, I mean, it, it feels like, you know, a bit of satire yes. and done as humor. But it really, I think, enhances characters like McAfee and James. Um, and the woman who's running Astrid's campaign now, whose name Does she I have like a name? Enough. Yeah. I'm not sure she has a name. Um, but I love all those conversations about polls because, like, you're 17. <laughs> how are you gathering this information? Also, how long is this voting process? Well, I think these are all very precocious 17-year-olds. Oh, they and sure are. And all of Ryan Murphy's 17-year-olds are very precocious. Yeah. So let's put that out there to start with. Yeah. But that's – so this is when, once we hear about this, the polls, that's when Sky introduces the idea of assassination mm-hmm. because it looks like Peyton is doing better in the polls. Than Astrid. Um, and Sky also gives like a really interesting speech here in an effort to light a fire under Astrid's ass of Sky saying, like, I didn't come here to lose. I came here to make history. I came here to make change. Um, and I do think that gives Astrid a little bit of inspiration into some of her next moves here. Yeah, I do think Astrid actually takes that almost as a threat, as a, you know, Sky is going to leave me unless I do something, and I can't afford to have Sky leave the ticket at this moment. So when Astrid gets the opportunity, first through another long con of Peyton's <laughs> of James's, maybe uh, maybe that's Peyton or James. I guess it's a combination of the strategy team. Yeah, okay. um, I don't know who actually came up with that, um, but obviously that goes very badly for them. But then she is still open to taking the next bit of dirt because she needs to do something she can't play it safe anymore and that comes directly from sky basically threatening to walk what did you think of that conversation she has with her dad <sighs> it's like that the worst man in the world horrible. i mean we are introduced to her dad very very early on in season one um, in episode one where at that time Astrid says that her dad doesn't like her. Her dad just likes having pretty things around, which is like, oh, God, it like, it like hits you right in the heart. Like, so you're predisposed. And then when it turns out he's Dylan McDermott, I just think that's even funnier because he has had a late career resurgence into this like swarmy dad type character I, that I just think is amazing. He's also a Ryan Murphy regular now. Is he? Well, what he else was, was he on? He was on American Horror Story season one. I think he's come back in other American Horror Story okay. seasons as well, though. Don't call well, me he that. is a great casting choice. Um, and when he basically tells her that she's put on a couple pounds since her boyfriend blew his brains out, you you just hate this man. As he's like checking out the the woman across the room, exactly. Yeah. And as he's playing tennis with her, and he is trying to destroy his daughter. This is his daughter. I don't know about your dad. Actually, I do because he's also <laughs> my dad. But. He would never, never in a million years be the person who wants to win three sets to zero playing tennis against their daughter. No. That, also, our parents have never once commented on, like, our weight. Never. Ever. Never, never, never. I think we get nothing but support in general from our no. parents. So They comment on our brains. That's yeah. always what they comment on. <laughs> they want us to be the smartest we can be. Yeah. They don't care about us being the thinnest we Right, can be. exactly. Um, but yeah, so this is a horrible human. And the fact that, like, Astrid has to live with this man my god no wonder she has issues yes so astrid is now getting this pressure from sky and she's getting it from her father who's telling her she needs to be a cold-hearted bitch and go out there and win this election Mm -hmm. and he's 
he feeds into her inauthenticity. Oh, yeah. He is the reason, I think, that she is inauthentic. Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. Like, her family, her upbringing. Mm -hmm. But then this leads her, then, to take this first piece of information, which is the guinea worms. (laughs) Which was the long con that uh, Peyton and James pull over on her. But then she does get this piece of information in the form of a videotape from Ricardo. And who's Ricardo? So Ricardo was introduced to us last episode, and he is Infinity's boyfriend. And Ricardo is, what's the name of that kid from The Good Place? Um, Jason? He is Jason on The Good Place. Really? Is that how you see Ricardo? They're like the exact same character. No. They even talk in like the same goofy way. Okay, but Ricardo is not a dumbass the way Jason is. Well... I would do think. You, I, do you think? I think Ricardo is a bit of a shithead, but I don't think he is quite as um, stunted in the IQ level as Jason is. I don't know. All right. After three episodes, I'm. I don't know yet. Okay, that's fair. I've only seen three episodes, so yeah. maybe I will see a change in that. But right now, I see him as. I mean, not a great human <laughs> by any stretch, but I. I don't see his defining characteristic as um, dumb. Yeah, so this is interesting. He steals this tape of um, Infinity and Bush Gardens and he gives it to Astrid. Now, I think here that he was giving it to Astrid with the thought that Astrid would, the intel that she would gain from this was that Infinity's cancer was not real. I agree with that because prior to that, Andrew had explained to him um, a theory that Andrew had. So we know that Ricardo is already thinking along the lines that Infinity's cancer might not be a real thing. And maybe caused by her nana. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, But what Astrid actually takes out of the the tape is this term, butt munch, which Infinity calls the reporter who's interviewing her for a story. And that becomes a big issue. And why does that become an issue? Because butt munch is a gay slur. Yes. Which is funny because I didn't know about Munch was a gay I did not either. You know, now that it's said out loud and I think about what that term actually means. Like where it's born from. Exactly. Like it makes so much sense to me once they mentioned that. But until that exact moment, it never occurred to me that this was more than just a slangy word that seven-year-olds call each other. Right. So I think this is like Ryan Murphy making a point that like this is a word that we use too flippantly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we use it. Um, no, but like but society uses I, too Yeah, flippantly. exactly. And again, it seems it's one of these slang words that kids use that like right. you use as a child. Like a butthead. Exactly. You use this as a child and you have no concept of where it came from and you use it as a child because other people have used it in front of you mm-hmm. you didn't just get this out of nowhere the world just didn't come up with this term and it just get filtered down through nothing to children but yeah i i did think it was so shocking because i didn't realize that was a gay slur when i watched the video on screen no until it was pointed out by was it Peyton who first pointed out that it's a gay slur who who first pointed out yeah like Peyton and McAfee yeah were and James were watching it yeah and I'm almost embarrassed to admit that that I've gone 36 years and not realized that yeah because mm-hmm. once it's put that way you can realize oh, where like the origin of the it's word so comes obvious from. and it's yeah but it's um and and I think it's it's good for us to learn those sort of things because it says something about the language we use and how our language does matter and we should be more thoughtful about the language that we're using your words matter and it can negatively impact people and uh, reinforce negative stereotypes 
So I think that this was like a kind of like a cool sneaky way for Ryan Murphy to slip this in for us of like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be using this word anymore and here's why. And not that that's a word I use, but I will definitely never use it again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things. It, it gives me some level of guilt that I did not know this before. Yeah, me too. Today. Yeah. I just think this, there were two scenes in this episode that I think were so funny. When James goes to deliver the USB to Martin and Luther, and also when Peyton goes to knock on Infinity's door after this video comes out, and they both knock with like the ferocity of an RA busting up a party in college. Like that their time is the only thing that matters, that they are the most important people in the world. And they both do it like in the dead of night when people are obviously sleeping. But these are just like, Two men who come in with clearly the attitude of like my time and what I have to say is the most important thing in the well, world. Well, they're used to taking up space. They yeah. don't have to apologize ever for taking up space. I mean, Peyton has done that throughout the series. There are two scenes in the first episode where Peyton barges into River's house, literally just throws the door open. I believe he like knocks on it or pounds on it a couple times, but throws the door open and just walks in like mm -hmm. he owns the place. So... Yes, these are these are two characters who don't mind taking up space. Yeah. And so now that Ricardo and Astrid have met and Ricardo has handed off the incriminating tape of Infinity, Infinity gets very upset and basically breaks up with Ricardo. And Ricardo then takes this out on Astrid. And the last thing we see in this episode is Ricardo breaking into Astrid's home while her parents and her mom, who turns out to be January Jones, so while, while Dylan McDermott and January Jones are out, breaks into Astrid's home, and the last thing we see is her ransacked room. So that's our cliffhanger. What do you think is going on there? Um, I think it's hilarious that when Dylan McDermott and January Jones oh walk back home and he's like, did you break the glass or bleed on the carpet before we left? And she's, she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she's not sure if she remembers doing that. Well, she had lipo that day. You know? That's true. It was a hard day for no her. sex today. I had lipo. Um, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we definitely have a cliffhanger here. And I mean, Ryan Murphy does this sort of thing. He's edgy. So when we get our... Um, student council election for a high school of course with Ryan Murphy it's not just going to be a student council election there's going to be suicides there's going to be attempted murders there's going to be potential kidnappings possible kidnapping possible kidnapping. not sure yet so what do you think is what do you think this is I mean it read to me as kidnapping but it read to me as so explicitly kidnapping that it makes me think there's something going on here okay um i'm almost wondering could astrid have faked a kidnapping i am not sure i might if i was her to escape those parents um at least her father will give january jones a, a little bit more time to either impress or unimpress me but um Astrid is certainly smart enough to pull off a gone girl if that's indeed where this is going it could be as straightforward, though, as Ricardo is so upset with what happened Infinity after Astrid promised him that Infinity would not be implicated in the release of this tape, that he could have feasibly kidnapped her. We shall see. But that is our big cliffhanger at the end of episode three. I will say I love the visualization of Astrid's room. I thought that was another just great Wes Anderson type visual of the wallpaper and you know of 
Astrid's whole whole setup. I thought it was gorgeous. And I like that we got to see an authentic Astrid moment too when yeah. before her parents because her parents weren't home and she's alone in the house she thinks and she's listening to music and like dancing around her room. Yes. And I think that was a cool scene. And like that actually might be Astrid. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well thank you for tuning in to Smart Women Watch. How many episodes are we going to do for next week? I think we're going to do the next three episodes for next week. The next three? Yeah. Okay. Then three more episodes coming at you in a week's time. I'm Laura. I'm Lindsay. And this is Smart Women Watch. Thanks for tuning in.